This was not an easy decision to make. Washington Congressman Jim McDermott. Because I don't like to quit. Announcing his decision to retire from Congress after 14 terms representing the 7th Congressional District. There are things I still want to do and I would still like to see happen. But there comes a time where you say to yourself, enough. So what is the legacy of the longtime liberal Democrat? Who will seek to replace him? I'm Enrique Cerna in the KCTS 9 Digital Studios. Coming up, a look back on Jim McDermott's political career with our analyst Joni Balter and Peter Jackson. Plus, we'll look ahead to election 2016, the governor's race, the U.S. Senate race, the initiatives, and much more. Welcome to veteran political analyst Joni Balter and Peter Jackson. Happy New Year. Well, we get this kind of shock, I suppose, or maybe not, that Jim McDermott decides that he's going to retire. Surprising? I think it's not at all surprising. I think that Jim McDermott, as you said, 14 terms, and that is a long time in Congress. Uh, I guess everyone did think that he'd probably go one more round, but very important for Seattle to maybe have some new representation. Folks have been waiting a long time for that seat to open up. You know, it was interesting. I was looking on Facebook the weekend before this came out, and someone had written, Jim McDermott is going to announce his retirement. And I kind of looked at that. And, of course, you know, there's been some talk. Well, Brady Walkinshaw, who is a, a state, represent state representative, he has already said that he's going to run for this position. So I didn't, didn't really think anything of it. And then, boom, we get this announcement. It's interesting because... I think a lot of people, while they're caught off guard because it's been so many years, I think they looked at this as kind of a, a refreshing change and turn. And you look at someone like Norm Dix, who was there for a very long time as well, and Norm pretty much echoed what Jim McDermott said, which was, you know, I've, I've kind of had enough. I don't know if I really want to go back to the other Washington if I can't get things done. That sense of gridlock really can be a, a motivator in some ways. But that sense of gridlock is not exactly keeping people from being interested in this. Only a right. few people. There was the longest Facebook posting, I think, in the history of Facebook by <laughs> then State Rep. Reuven Carlisle, now he's in the Senate, talking about why he felt he could do more in the Washington legislature than he could in Congress. But he's only one. Many people are thinking of running for this now that it's open. It's the Oklahoma land grab to, uh, <laughs> to, to get this darn seat, is it not? Who, who, who are we talking about? I mean, we're talking we're... about Brady Walkinshaw, for one. We're talking about the very happily named, in this circumstances, Joe McDermott from the King County yeah. Council, <laughs> yeah. because he gets to riff off that name. <laughs> Folks I've talked to say that depends on which woman gets in. And so there's a lot of noise and enthusiasm around the name of uh, former U.S. Attorney Jenny Durkin and some other women. Right, and those are the same names I've heard. I think one of the surprises might be that this narrows down quickly to just two or three, and those three names that you mentioned. It's interesting, we may also have the first openly gay member of Congress from Washington State with- If the, Brady Walkinshaw were to- Brady uh, or, or Jenny Durkin yeah. or Joe McDermott, neither here nor there, but it's just sort of interesting, an interesting fact. But Brady Walkinshaw, to his credit, has already, I think, collected couple hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, he has, he has good dough already. He right. does. Which is, which is important. Very early and he jump-started the whole thing yeah. because maybe what Jim McDermott thought and maybe what we all thought was that 
you know, if it was going to be easy, McDermott would go another round. But here, very early, is Brady Walkinshaw raising money and saying, no, it's not going to be easy this time because, you know, new generation person coming after you. And I don't think the others certainly wouldn't have gotten in if McDermott didn't get out. But now you have that big opening. So let's talk about Jim McDermott and his political legacy. What is it? Well, I'm kind of repeating myself and repeating others when I say foster care, health care. I mean, I think those were the two sort of seminal accomplishments he had as a member of Congress. I've kind of made the argument that um, his high point was as a state legislator before he even was elected to the U.S. Congress. And if you looked at his resume then as this very accomplished state legislator, he had all the makings of what should have been a very accomplished member of the U.S. Congress. But 1994 came around and the Gingrich Revolution. And then he also stumbled a bit, became sort of the conservative lightning rod, were, yeah. punching, with, bag. With punching bag for everything he did from Baghdad Jim on the Iraq War to the recording that got him in trouble and sued by John Boehner, which all kind of became, became yeah, but distracting. On the, on the he, paid, he paid a big price, too. I mean, not just in the fact that the, that publicity, but I mean money. What was it? Close to a million dollars he had to pay out on that. Right. So, that he, had to ra he raised all that. Yeah. So he, he had the financial finesse. But can we not give him credit at least for what he did about trying to tell us not to go to Iraq? I mean, we have to realize... He was often on the on the edge of the political debate, on the left edge of the political debate. But in this one very notable case, this guy really did have the right things to say about going to war in Iraq, and we can give him that. And you were also giving him something that he he also richly deserves credit for pushing the health care debate. Right. No one was going to go to the single-payer system that he wanted, but in fact, he was nudging us all along to get off the way we were doing healthcare and do something differently. And, and I do think he deserves credit for that. And if we were to look back, I mean, as you said, he was in the legislature. He was a strong legislator in the state. And he was nearly governor. Right. And he, he ran and unfortunately lost to John Spellman. But last Republican governor, by that the way. That was the last Republican yeah. governor. Absolutely. And, yeah. So he might have been in that role at one point. Sure. But... And then he goes into Congress and has all these other things happen. I, I do think that one of the things that, that does stand out for him is that he probably has to feel vindicated by what happened when he went to Iraq and then became known as this kind of kooky liberal Democrat. Who in happened Iraq. to be right about yeah, right. whether in we the should go term. in there. Yeah, you know, yeah. so he gets that, that's for sure. Yeah, right. but being on the right side of history is a good thing. Yeah, both, a good thing. both with the Iraq and on healthcare, too. Yeah, yeah. I think those are significant. It isn't to those minimize his, bigger, his yeah. legacy because some of those things were institutional. Right. Well, Changing the, the conversation the thing, on healthcare, that's so important. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The other so thing, important. as I listen to his press conferences, you know, the guy is pushing 80. I mean, yeah. why not take a break and do something that you want to do? And uh, so that's another factor, I think. One of the best case scenarios for him would be to be chair of the House Ways and Means Committee. I think that's something that had always been in the back of his mind. The earliest potentially for that, if there would be a, a shift in Democrats actually being a majority, would probably be 2022. So then well, he'd be in his early... Some I, other well, crazy I, I, things we might disagree. There on, could yeah. be some other crazy things like Donald Trump could get elected. And oh my gosh, did I just say that? But just <laughs> considering the fact That's that true. I did, That's true. there yeah. could be different responses in voting for Congress if yeah. Trump is elected. You're absolutely right. All right, let's turn the page here and leave uh, Jim McDermott. And let's talk about Jay Inslee. In the race for governor, 
Latest Elway poll has him ahead of Republican challenger Bill Bryant by only nine points. Does that mean he's in trouble? I don't think it means a darn thing. It's too early. The race hasn't really crystallized. I think most people don't even know Bill Bryant at all. You know, he's a port commissioner from Seattle. That's going to be hard to to for a lot of people to become a household name or any such thing like that. Although I hear he has a lot of signs in eastern Washington. I heard that from, yeah, well, that's from somebody. But that, you know, yard signs don't win races. The race hasn't gelled yet at all. People don't even sort of know that it's this against this. Those are not good reelect numbers for Mr. Inslee. But, you know, his whole thing is that he's Sonny Jay. And if you remember the last, <laughs> if you remember the last race against Rob McKenna, that is basically how that guy wins. He's such an optimist and he talks so positively. And by the way, the state is pretty, doing pretty darn well. It has an incredible economy right now. And so if the economy is good, it's pretty easy for incumbents to get reelected. And so he's, that's why he's so sunny. I mean, he's by nature sunny. Yeah, he is. He is, he is he's, by he's, nature he's, sunny. He's uh, always kind of perky and, uh, and, and upbeat, let's face it. Your take. I agree with that. I agree with that. I think the X factor in this race potentially is Randy Dorn. You know, Randy Dorn, our state superintendent of public instruction, right. boycotted the state of the state yesterday, yeah. interestingly enough, because he believes that both the legislature and governor have not done enough for K-12 and, and fulfilling the McCleary mandate. And rumor has it that he'll be running as an independent for governor, which potentially could siphon off. That's a pretty good rumor. Uh, <laughs> and it siphons off of both, though. You yeah. think it siphons off for both? I was going to say that I bet it siphons off from Inslee in the primary so that Inslee looks right, right, a little right. bit vulnerable right. with That's those exactly first numbers right. uh, exactly come right. August. I still think the stats and the demographics and a big Democratic year in 2016 means that the governor will get reelected. And the governor also came right out of the state of the state talking about hiring more teachers, mm -hmm. those are voters, we right. call those voters, and paying them more. Also okay. charter schools. And charter schools. Yeah. So he's got a very big education message. I'm not saying that he has the solution to McCleary. That's a whole different thing that people are like in denial about how much money they need to raise to pay for that. But he came right out of the starting blocks talking about how he's going to do better by teachers, by education, by hiring more teachers, and all these different things for education. So he will not be in the general. By the time he gets to the general, he won't be weak on education. So let's talk about the screw-up, though, that happened recently, and that is the Department of Corrections allowing uh, some prisoners early release when they shouldn't have gotten early release. Then it was found out that some of them had committed some serious crimes, and the governor stepped up and said, yeah, we, you know, our bad, we, we screwed up in this. Although some of this preceded him, but it's on his watch. I think this is a very serious situation for any governor. You can just see the ads that the opposition yeah, runs. Yeah, yeah. You can see them in your mind, you know, this governor allowed this person out, and this yeah. is what happened. Yeah, you know, we've, we've all seen that a hundred times. Yeah. That said, and this is mind-boggling to me, this whole scenario here. This has been going on for 10 or 12 years or something like that. It's been going on for a long time, and then they only learned about it most recently, and then it took all these different attempts to fix the computer to make this thing work better. Wow, somebody has to do some fast-talking, and you saw the governor said he's not going to do the personnel decisions, but oh yeah, he's, he's not going to do them right away until there's an investigation, but he is going to do personnel decisions. Everyone looks bad. 
everyone looks bad and, and going back in history to the earlier governors and attorney generals and the whole darn thing. Does this hurt his reelection chances though? Does it hurt him at all? This? It could hurt, sure. I don't know if it necessarily imperils his, I mean, I think, I don't know if it'll be a defining thing, but Joni's absolutely right. The visuals, I mean, I hate to bring back like Willie Horton, Willie Horton. but you can see, yeah, no, I, you can see 1988, yeah. you can see yeah, the yeah, revolving yeah, door yeah. ads and some independent expenditures on that issue. So it, because it's such a complicated issue and it's so irritating and horrifying that it could happen and happen the way that it did, that I could see it as being an easy way to cut on him. Right. I'm talking politics and election 2016 politics with veteran analyst Peter Jackson and Joni Balter. Well, let's talk about the U.S. Senate race. Republican Chris Vance, friend of ours, a guy that we've all worked with being the- Radio, the, TV yes, star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually very good as a pundit and analyst. He's good. Representing the Republican Party. Although also what I liked about Chris is that he would take the time to criticize. And uh, that was good. His own party. He yeah, made, there a, you he go. made yeah, a lot of hate Yeah, yeah right, yes, he did. Indeed. Anyway, so- to be honest, I was shocked when he announced that he was going to run against Patty Murray, the incumbent. What do you make of this? Well, if we've sat in many a green room, you and I, oh, yes, with him. Chris Vance, where he's talked pretty darn animatedly about how much he wants his party to do better in the state of Washington. But he also talked in those same conversations about how he personally couldn't really afford for his livelihood to be a candidate. So there was that surprise element for me as well. On the other hand, I've, I've viewed him as itching to be either in Congress or somewhere in politics for yeah, a very, in, very in, long time. And he politics, ran before. Yeah, right. Didn't he run for SPI? He, he did ran run for, for SPI. And then actually around. he goes to work for Andy Dorn. And he worked for Dorn. Yes, and he yeah. also ran for Congress. I doorbelled with him in the ninth District. Adam, Adam, Adam Smith. Smith. against Adam right. Smith. Wow. So he's he was won. on the King County Council. And he was, yeah, he was on the King. He was a moderate on the King County Council. He's been itching to be in the game for a long time. Why he decided to take on Patty Murray, who's, who's widely viewed as pretty darn hard to beat in a presidential year, is a matter for further well, discussion. Why? Why, why do you think he is running? I don't, you know, unless it's a platform for him to kind of broadcast his perspective and maybe even kind of articulating this middle of the road republicanism that he represents, I don't know. I think Joni hit on a very important point, which when you're kind of on the edge of politics and you see a lot of political actors who don't necessarily seem competent, obviously Senator Murray is competent, but you kind of have this sense of, boy, I really want to get in the game. And I think he probably was overwhelmed by that sense. I assume he doesn't consider his race wholly symbolic, that he actually thinks it's David and Goliath that he can take down the well, Goliath. Speaking of David and Goliath, the money numbers raised so far are, <laughs> yeah. oh my gosh, I can't do the math quickly enough, but she has nearly $6 million, Patty Murray, ready to go. And he, I've seen numbers that are, you know, less than 100,000 so far. But that doesn't make, he's an eager beaver. That doesn't mean right. he won't raise. Really well, and actually, you know, he's articulate. He's mm -hmm. smart. I think he does know the issues quite well. I don't think he's a hardcore to the right Republican. So he represents something different. So that part of it could be interesting. Well, one thing that I remember about Chris Vance, now remember he was the head of the state Republican Party. Right. And he often, even after he, he was no longer the head of the state Republican Party, would speak for it or sometimes criticize it a bit. And I remember, this goes back a, a ways, Chris always wanted 
who was very big in the Republicans capturing the suburbs. He lives in the suburbs himself, and he had written sort of enthusiastically yeah. about Republicans not alienating people in the suburbs because that's where elections are won and lost anyway. And so he'd, he'd been working on that for a long time. That dovetails right into his, his message as well. Yeah. Let's talk about the mood of the uh, electorate out there. Of course, again, it's still early, but we've had uh, plenty of time to listen to uh, the Republican presidential candidates out there, and a few in particular to, that you probably have uh, made us think about things. But what the heck are they all thinking? What do you think? What, what do you think is the mood of the electorate as we go into this election year? It's kind of cliche to say disaffected, but I mean, I think maybe unenthused, a little bit outraged in some ways. And part of it is just maybe overdosing on all things debate related. By the time summer comes along, of course, we'll, we have this August primary, yeah. it's mail-in, but it's still I, I insane. Hate that. I the August hate, primary I hate is the such August a dud. Primary. It's it such is, a dud. Is, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's like, who cares? Who's here? I we think are, it, you know, we are just, so fiercely on vacation yeah, when the right. August yeah, primary yeah. comes. Yeah. But it's like, okay, if you want to go do that, go ahead. But I'm, I'm headed to the beach, the, you know, paddleboard, the, the other thing. I just have to say from a media standpoint, it's just deadly because of the fact that who cares about any of the primary races because there's people are gone and, and people just trying to have some interest. So I, I really wish it was still in September. It would, you know, it would take real political courage on the part of the legislature to embrace that because you have the fundraising freeze. Right. And so a lot of incumbent legislators don't like the idea of moving the primary because that means they would have to do even more work before going to the legislature. I think if you were to poll people, 90% would say do it in, in June like the rest of, or May. Yeah, uh, um, the rest of the world. But country. the political view, just because the presidential race started so early and the debate started so early and of the candidates that are emerging, this is the year of the angry voter, mm -hmm. left and right. So Bernie Sanders, he's he doesn't <laughs> smile a lot, you know. That's I, Larry David does Bernie Sanders better than, than Bernie Sanders. <laughs> he does a good Bernie Sanders. He does a really good yeah, one. Yeah. But then, you know, Trump is all about how America is so bad. And, and obviously the president, Obama, was trying to say to us, you know, no, we're not number two or three. We're number one right. in all these different categories. But that's where the governor's race is so interesting because this is the year of angry voters, except in Washington, the economy is pretty darn sunny, just like the governor's pretty upbeat. So that's a whole different dynamic that occurs in the context of the presidential race. Let's talk about some of the other statewide races, which might be interesting actually this year because of the fact that you're going to have a race for Lieutenant Governor. Brad Owen's been there forever, but he says he's gonna run again. And now he's got a whole bunch of challengers, you know, looking at that. The state treasurer has decided that he's going to uh, not run for re-election. So an opportunity for the Republicans to get someone else in a statewide office. And then the other one has to do with Troy Kelly and the state auditor. And <laughs> well, that, is, that guy, that's a whole new that's th different thing. That's yeah, its yeah. Own, um, yeah, but suddenly all of those things, they have some interest. We have one statewide Republican person, the Secretary yeah, of State, Secretary Kim, Kim Wyman. Wyman. And by the way, she's queued up to run for something if she, when she, wa when she wants she's to. She's great, too. She's yeah. articulate. articulate. She's very much that mainstream. Right, Republican but she is the tradition. only Republican statewide elected, not to say that there couldn't be a really strong one this year. It is hard in the presidential year 
for Republicans to do very well in Washington State, but they keep trying and one year they'll, they're gonna hit one. Right. Or there whispers or rumors that she might run for something else down the line here. And not, I don't think it's this year necessarily, but right. I wouldn't be surprised if it were this year or in four years because she just has the one term yeah. so far. She does handle herself very, very well in all of these things. Uh, the other thing going on is we have, again, the Republicans holding the state Senate in the House. Democrats still have control there. Kind of barely. Not as much oh, control. Yeah. And, Very little. And, but, but there have been some folks that have suddenly decided that they're not, some R's that have said that they're going to leave. But where is that? What's that looking at right now? Is Are the, are the Democrats in trouble there? Or Frank Chop out there trying to find some other candidates to win? I think they're in real trouble. I mean, there are some people like... Hans Dunshi, who's in very much a swing right. district, who's going to most That's likely be moving to the Snohomish yeah. County Council. It's sort of a funny arrangement. He's serving now as chair of the House, is it the Ways and Means Committee or the Old Appropriations Committee, while he's waiting to see on the appointment process for the Snohomish County Council. And it's sort of, everything's sort of in abeyance right now. But his seat could very well go Republican. And then we're talking, what, a two-seat difference between Republicans and Democrats. So you could have a Democratic governor and a Republican House and Senate right. in, a, in what might be a very Democratic year. It's hard to shuffle that from this distance because there's so many possible permutations of what's going to happen. But clearly, this is a very Democratic state sometimes. And the numbers, we have the Republican Senate and you have the numbers narrowing year after year in the House. So we'll see how that baby shakes out. You know, in 2012, we had, we had some great initiatives. <laughs> I mean, when you had gay marriage and then you also had marijuana, which gave us this national attention. I don't know that we're really going to have that as much this time, but we're talking about this initiative 732 to impose new state carbon tax while lowering other taxes. And so there's also initiatives, initiative 735 that would put Washington on record in support of a federal constitution amendment overturning the Supreme Court's 2010 Citizen United ruling. Are there others out there? No, the hot one is this, this statewide minimum wage, which oh, the, the governor true. referred right. to in, in the state of the state. And this is an initiative to statewide raise the minimum wage to $13.50 within several years. You know, Democrats love stuff like this because it brings their voters out. And interestingly, minimum wages, if you look around the country, raising the minimum wage statewide or locally like Seattle did, is becoming a much more mainstream issue and also Republicans vote for it. So that to me is the big one. But it won't be like trend setting like we did in 2012 because this is happening across the country. Not some necessarily that number, but but raising the minimum wage is something that's going on nationwide. So let me bring up the name that everybody kind of always cringes, but it's still out there, and that is Tim Einman. And in this, uh, I mean... Cringeworthy. Cringeworthy, indeed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so 1366 did pass by the voters, and now, you know, there's the legal challenge out there. What do you think? Does it get overturned? Oh, very probably. How many topics is it, Peter? Like, several? Yeah, it seems to be... It, I never understand with the overturn. You know, you assume that it gets vetted, but I think yeah, I think I don't I don't, I don't I don't understand going in. You know why yeah. that happens. You mean yeah. why why, why? The, you don't understand going in? Why? Well, why it's not focused enough so he knows that he's the possibility. Well, sometimes of it being what you do on these, I don't know if the bundling is the right word, but think about that for a second. To please your donors who are willing to pay you to run this initiative, sometimes you have to do this idea plus this idea. And then you get into two subject rules. Mm -hmm. And so 
you know, you have to write it. You, you know, he has lawyers writing these things. It's not like he just sits in his kitchen and and types up. But you know, it's know. it's sure it's yeah, it's very <laughs> narrowly trying to make sure that he doesn't violate the law. But this one had a a sort of coercion component to it. If you don't do this, then we do this. And I don't think that's legal. I don't. No, I agree. And it illustrates that this is just a business for Iman. I mean, in many ways, yeah. it kind of he's able to kind of advance his platform, make a six-figure salary. It's almost... A six-figure salary that's now got him in hot, but water, in hot water. That's the other part I was going to bring up here. So now, you know, well, now what for him? Well, the, um, the accusations are before the attorney general. Yeah. Right? Who has to decide how he's going to proceed on them. Could it bring, bring it into his career doing... We've said that before, um, <laughs> so you might jinx it. Uh, <laughs> but you would think, you would think so. Um, and you would think that Washington voters kind of had their fill of this. But that's not how they voted. So just no. in certain yeah. counties, yeah. that's yeah. how Again, they voted. Always, yeah, I mean, always is related to taxes. Again, it's that two-thirds majority. They had a popular idea, an idea that people don't want right. taxes raised easily. So he's had that idea, but I will say, can anybody just look back? It was 1999 when we first met Mr. Iman with his <laughs> initiatives. So he has been dominating yeah. or affecting, yeah, depending on the year, our politics for a very long time. So it's not surprising that people would grow fatigued of his name and his ideas either on the other side of it. All right, as we wrap things up here, this has nothing to do with politics. But um, I just uh, want to acknowledge a Seattle icon that has, as we speak, he just passed away, and that is Dick Spady of Dick's Burgers. The reason I find him so fascinating is what he was able to do with, you know, his, his burger places to provide opportunities for people to work there and to also go to college and do very simple burgers. But the other part of it is that he really did care about this community and he was involved in his way with issues and his sons are still following in that path. So, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's emblematic of a certain sort of giving back Seattle right. tradition, which yeah. is something you hope, especially this newer generation will try to emulate. I've heard like John Arthur Wilson, I think his daughter got help. He's now the King County Assessor. He's yeah. now our King County Assessor. Yeah. I believe his daughter, uh, not only, I mean, but also got college assistance as a result of working at Dick's. Kind of makes me sad that I became a vegetarian in my in my carnivore days. <laughs> oh, it was a big hangout. Dick had the, had one of his own burgers, he said, once a week. Really? Whether he needed it or not. Yeah, he didn't mention yeah. any you know, the other food. He had to have the milkshake or the fries or whatever, but uh, the burger... Well, I, I got to admit that that burger helped me a few times when I was a little bit hungover. Uh, you know, having a Coke the and a burger, burger and, and a fry. You know about <laughs> no, the hungover no, 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 burger. That's the what they call it. get over a hangover <laughs> and things like that. The funny thing is that I tried to get both my kids to go and get jobs there. Yeah. And their thing was that, no, I'm not going to go do there. I'm not going to wear that uniform or whatever they had to wear. And I don't want any of my friends to see me. So, you know, I don't know why. But I, it seemed to me like it was a great opportunity for them to, you know, make a little money and then have an opportunity for maybe even a college scholarship. But I think he did a lot for this community. So, you know, yep. uh, on that note, why don't we go have a Dick's Burger? Uh, we'll give you a French fry. Can you eat a French I fry? Can, I vegetarian? can absolutely. I'm going no, yeah, yeah. Shake. There you go. Yeah. Let's do that. All right. A quick update. Shortly after we recorded our conversation, former Seattle City Council member Tina Podlodowski, a Democrat, announced that she will challenge Republican incumbent Secretary of State Kim Wyman. Wyman is the only Republican to currently hold a statewide office. That could be an interesting race. 
Thanks to Johnny Balter and Peter Jackson for their insights. I'm Enrique Serna. We'll talk more next time.